Welcome to Observing Others with Tim and Kelly. This is podcast number one. Hello, Kelly. Hey, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Wonderful. I'm fantastic as always. We are here to kick off our podcast. Finally. Finally, it's here. We got the equipment. We've got the equipment. It's December 9th. It's a little chilly outside. A lot of snow. But we're going to roll with this. Yeah, snow for December is great. But this started before now. Yeah, it started on October 8th. At the Udo Ribbon Cutting. Yeah, Udo, company, tech company in Station Park, Farmington Station, whatever they call it. It's right there. And we were there at their gala, at their big uh, product launch. And we decided, hey, let's roll with this podcast. We had been getting to know each other and uh, let's roll with it. Right. We're both lakesiders and there were just enough people there, uh, such a variety of people to observe and how they behaved and interacted and we thought, you know, observing others has a kind of a ring to it and and has a pretty broad uh, application. But this path started long before that, um, before we had even met each other. I look back um, in my long journey of life, but I go back to just pre-2020. I actually got laid off from Zions Bank Corporation um, January 1st, 2020. So I started out the year unemployed. Well, that's that's awful. <laughs> It, it was awful, but I, I was um, lucky. A friend reached out to me from Market Star. I previously worked for them, and he asked me to come back and work with them. Well, that's good. And so two weeks later, the pandemic hit. Um, the governor was telling everybody to shut things down, hunker down in your fortress at home. And so I was grateful to have a job right. and was able to have a job where I could just work from home um, from that point on. But after... Um, Spending a year doing that, I was managing a team of about nine people for Samsung and wanted to get back to just what I I loved to do, and that's be around people. Um, even before that, um, in 2016, I was appointed to um, the Clearfield City Council. That's right. For those of you who don't know, Tim is a city council person for Clearfield City. It's, a, it's, it's my hobby, but my passion is connecting people and being with people and finding the good in people and bringing them together so we can work on things together. So you got a job with the Davis chamber. Tell me about that. So I, um, found this job just opened up the newsletter one day. So, uh, my city council responsibilities is, was to be a liaison to the chamber. Okay. And, um, called up the president and CEO here and asked if we could sit down and talk about it. And lo and behold, here I am. I'm the director of member development here. Yeah, so you have constituents and city council and then your, your business development with businesses here in Davis County. It's a, it's a fun gig to have. So so that's a Which lot. Which led me to you. Right, well, and that's how we met. So we're both Lakesiders and we're at this Udo ribbon coating and there's lots of people and lots of great dessert. And so we, we thought, hey, we need to, and now we have equipment and we're rolling. So my journey is interesting too. So you you worked for Zions. I worked for Washington Mutual Bank and I was a corporate trainer, sales trainer for the bank and they were doing a lot of mergers and acquisitions and and some of them in Utah. And so I thought, hey, I, I want to go into mergers and acquisitions. I want to work for this bank and you know climb the corporate ladder. So I decided to go to law school and they told me, hey, you have a job when you come back, when you graduate. So I went to law school with a total purpose of going to working for Washington Mutual. When I graduated, they offered me a job in Seattle. And my wife said, well, we don't want to move to Seattle. 
And I'm like, wait a second, that was the whole purpose and reason of going to law school. So what is it that you ended up doing? So I got a job in-house counsel, which is an attorney who works a corporate attorney and for a sand, gravel, asphalt, and ready mix company. It's quite the twist of uh, direction there. And um, I started, you know, filing liens for this company. And then I thought, well, you know, I've got all these Washington Mutual contacts. I'm going to start a title company. And so we got, you know, title work from Washington Mutual branches throughout Utah. And then I, you know, started doing other construction law and, and real estate transactions and things. And, and so things were working really well. I've been self-employed for most of my professional career. And then the pandemic hits. And you would think just like, you know, a lot of businesses that were disrupted because they were closed or they had to downsize, you know, had lost income. Um, for 2020, most of my income was pretty you know, standard until 2021 and all the stimulus money, you know, from the PPP and the EIDL money. Those unintended consequences. Yeah. All those, all those infusion of capital and stimulus into the economy helped people that attorneys are often hired to, to, you know, evictions, landlord tenant stuff or mortgages, you know, there's moratorium on mortgage payments, student loan payment. I mean, think about all the demand letters and all the litigation, all the things that people often need to leverage an attorney's help with to try to collect receivables or do something. And, and my income comes to almost a screeching halt. So what was amazing was my nephew who worked for me in my title company 17 years ago was a real estate agent with Windermere here in Davis County. He comes to me mid pandemic and says, you know, you should do real estate. It's, you know, it's, it's an amazing real estate time with the surge in, in, um, demand and not enough supply. And, and I'm like, well, I know I'm doing okay, but I, I did what he said. I took the test and I got my license and I went to Windermere and then it was just a seamless transition and it added to my income. I needed that addition to my occupation and I'd been doing real estate transactions and construction, real property stuff for 20 years anyway. So it's not out of my skill wheel, but it was something that I needed to do to, to increase, you know, income in the middle of this pandemic. So now you're doing real estate. I work for the chamber of commerce and we've come up with this thought of, hey, let's go out and let's observe others. And I like this platform because we can take it in a lot of different directions. Right. It can be a business. It can be a movement. Um, it can be a nonprofit out there trying to do good things out there. And we can even take this down to the individual basis right. of observing others. So when you think of think of starting startups, so there's a lot of startups out there. This is not really a startup. It's just a podcast of you know, two professionals talking about business or talking about people, basically. And we're not really starting over because we've talked about how our, our paths have crossed and how we've pivoted and, and how we're um, I- improving our business-to-business relationships. But we're starting out on this path and journey because we want to actually take the podcast on the road. We want to port a podcast. <laughs> we want to take it to businesses and, and have conversations and spotlights and, and throughout you know Davis County talking about their story, what, what has made them successful, what they're hoping for in the future, and how we can help them get there. And what a better way to do it. I mean, we could sit in a room and, and talk about these things, but actually being at that location talking about what's going on there 
and and we have a some exciting lineup of places where we want to go with this. Um, but that's where you're really going to be observing people is right in their environment. Right. So I like that. So you said lineup. So it reminded me of baseball. So let's talk baseball, right? Baseball in the, mid, in the middle of December is not really a subject most people want to talk you about. You can right? talk baseball whenever you want to talk okay, baseball. Okay, then we're going to talk baseball. So what I, what I want to talk about is that individual player who goes to the plate and he's up to bat. So he's got his bat and he's waiting for the pitch. And he sees the pitcher on the mound. And so, you know, tunnel vision wise, you see a pitcher and you see a batter and you think that's the, that's the foe and that's the competition or that's the challenge ahead of you. Is that the challenge? Just the pitcher? No. I mean, they, uh, one thing I read, one reason I love baseball is it's all about strategy and there are a lot of components to the game. You have nine other people on that field. That's right. You got going up against. You got a catcher, and you've got a shortstop, and baseman, and outfielders. And so, at first glance, you think, okay, he's got three strikes and four balls. That's pretty good odds. But when you're looking at at the that the opposition, he's he's one player at the plate against those nine other people. And is that all? You can go even deeper than that. Okay, if you brought in your um, viewpoint, you have a stadium full of spectators. Yeah, so a stadium full of spectators, some of them who are wanting him to do well, almost pressuring him, you better not screw this up. And then you got people who don't want him to do well at all, want him to strike out. So he's got not just the nine, but stadium, just depending on the size of the capacity of that stadium, he's got that many people adding to the pressure of the nine opposing forces on the field. And you can take it even farther than that. All the people viewing um, on TV or any other way that we watch right, uh, sporting right. so event you're, these days, you're, you're right. You're going up against millions. That's right. So you've got all the people out there watching or, or listening and one player, it's like it's like one against the world, right? Use that phrase before. It's me against the world. And how do I stand out against all these other individuals? Right. So, so use that as an analogy then. As you as the person who's pivoted, he's now a, a, at, at bat, and he's trying to maybe start a new job, start a business, do something, um, improve himself. This even was just self-improvement. Is he really alone? Is, is that really, is that one person really against all those odds or does he have a team that is supporting him behind him? You really don't sometimes look at it that way, but he does have his team behind him. Is that, has is it called a dugout? Is it, he has that dugout full okay. of people backing him up. That is awesome. So, so even though he has to, no one's going to do it for him. He's got to do it himself. It's not doubles tennis or it's singles tennis, but against all those, all those odds, he's got to get up there and, and, and perform. And he can't just do it without having had some practice. There, there has to be some skill developed over time. It isn't just go up to the plate, swing the bat and hit the ball. Right. Right. So take this into a real world case. Let's just take it into walking into a networking event. Okay. And uh, you're walking in there. You may be a little intimidated. You're, you look at all these people you're going up against. You want to get something out of there that's going to help increase your visibility. Right. Um, take me through the thought process of 
you know, where this can come into play in that environment. So what's interesting, it's like, there's like a tug of war and the tug of war is the, the getting the business and doing the business. So most solo, solopreneurs, you know, professionals like myself who are self-employed, um, they not only have to do the work, whatever it is they do is their occupation or profession. They've got to market. They've got to get the work. And so this, this tug of war between getting the work and doing the work, and it isn't just a tug of war between um, um, the manufacturing and marketing, let's say. It's also quantity versus quality. So how many customers can I handle versus how many customers do I need and they're being pulled in that, you know, tug of war back and forth. And so when they go into a meeting like this, there's a little bit of internal pressure of how, how am I going to impress, you know, get a second chance to make a first impression. And what am I going to say and how am I going to say it? And so what, what's going to happen is, is that our experience, you and I, as we've um, been doing networking events over the past few years our experience is that a lot of people um, are practicing um, their elevator um, spiel or their commercial or their me in 30 seconds I don't know what what you want to call it but they're practicing this uh, um, message and it's not always resonating in that environment so I see that as part of the tug of war is this pressure to get the work and do the work, but also trying to have this um, monologue be a dialogue and it isn't a dialogue. It's a monologue. And that's really where observation comes into place. Right. What are we doing to um, understand where that other person is coming from? Sometimes I think we get too, lost in our own mindset that if that person isn't thinking exactly how I am thinking, you can take this politically, socially, however you want. Uh, but if we would just understand each other a little bit better, put myself into your viewpoint, we change that whole game there and we're disruptive. Right. So instead of, instead of, um, in fact, when you download this podcast and go to the link on our website, you'll see a little brief synopsis of, um, what observing others is all about and it's really walking in somebody else's shoes and the aha moment that tim and i both have had is that looking into someone's eyes isn't necessarily seeing into their soul it's seeing life from their viewpoint from their perspective and seeing what their obstacles are and the things that they're going through and by walking in their moccasins or in their shoes you're able to have a their perspective become your perspective and that's really what observing others really is all about. And you can, like I've said before, you can take this into any um, avenue that you're in, whether it's professionally, uh, whether it's in you know your interests outside of your professional environment. I've even begun to bring this in personally um, into my own family of how do I observe them? How do I observe my wife? How do I put myself in her shoes to understand why she might be frustrated at me. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm just looking at it through my vantage point. How do I, you know, twist the tide there and see things? How do I help her uh, or not help her help myself 
um, be that person at bat and understand the perspective of what the pitcher is going to throw at me. Awesome. That, I'm glad you shared that. That's a great having it, uh, identifying how it's applicable in your personal life. Hey, so on our next podcast, on our next episode, I want to talk about how we build that tribe, how we build that team in the dugout and um, some of the misconceptions of how that's really done. And, and I think a lot of people will be surprised at how to really build a tribe and what that really means. Is that something you want to talk about, Tim? That is definitely what I want to talk about. And so, and I want to give the challenge to those that will listen to us, those that will download this podcast and, and go to our website for sure, observingothers.com. Start to analyze yourself, start to observe others, and we can get that mindset as well. Excellent. Hey, thanks, Tim.